Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. Each one of us has good work to do. This message teaches through Nehemiah chapter 3, where you will learn that ordinary people can do some extraordinary work for the kingdom of God. Enjoy the message. Before we dive in, quick question. Do we have any builders out there, any architects you just like building, getting your hands dirty? All right, we got a couple. All right, Lego fans, people who just want to build Lego a little bit. Lord, There you go, good guy. All right, now I know there's got to be a few of you. How about Minecraft? Right, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you just love building. Uh, it's just something you love doing. Uh, I want to show you guys a demonstration of my building prowess uh, in front of the whole church uh, so that you guys can see. We're getting there. <laughs> Do you need help? <laughs> Oh, it fell apart? Cool. This is a good start. <laughs> oh, shoot. Sorry, camera people. <laughs> Thank you, Bella. <laughs> all right. It'll all be worth it, guys. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. Get ready for an amazing demonstration of building prowess. This is uh, what I would do as a kid is this one goes here, this one goes also here, this one goes here, also here. Uh, we'll take this one, I think we'll put it here, and we'll put it here. And then the best part, what I would do every time, <laughs> that was my building prowess as a child. My brother would actually build these things. I was what I like to call the, the demolition guy, you know? And sometimes, you know, his stuff also had to get demoed, you know? <laughs> so, as you can see, my, uh, my building, uh, in <laughs> very real terms, is not very up to code. Um, however, Nehemiah 3, we're going to be looking at a much, uh, a much more successful building project in great detail. Uh, some of you who have read it might say too much detail. <laughs> um, Nehemiah 3, it's one of those passages, if you don't know, that might be pretty tempting to kind of speed read through. Maybe you read like the first few verses, and you're like, okay, I get, I get the idea. Let's move on to, to 4. Um, and in fact, when Andy called me to tell me what message or what chapter I'd be preaching on, you know, I'm a little nervous. I'm excited. I'm, you know, I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. And <laughs> I, but I was at work at the time, and I was walking back to my desk, and, I was, and I was, as I was walking, my pace slowed a bit as I was thinking. I was like, wait. Is Nehemiah 3 that chapter where it says this person built this part of the wall, this person built this part of the wall, this person built this part of the wall, and ad nauseum, it just keeps doing that? So I pulled out my Bible app on my phone while I was going back to my desk, and I was like, oh, it is that one. Okay, cool. Andy's just throwing me right in the deep end, and uh, I don't have any floaties. Uh, I'm kidding, ultimately. It's, it's, it's a li- it was a little intimidating initially, but you know what I love? You know, it's, it's in God's, it's in the Bible, it's God's word, it's not there for no reason. All, all scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. And sometimes maybe we just have to dig a bit more, so it was actually kind of cool to be able to dig in and really see what I could get out of this, and hopefully you guys will as well. So, the Old Testament, it often had a lot of foreshadowing to concepts that, concepts that would become clearer and more explained in the New Testament. Nehemiah 3 has people of various backgrounds meeting together for a common purpose and to do God's work. In broad strokes, doesn't that sound like a church? We're all here together building up something for God. 
And so there's a lot of things we can take from this chapter on how we can practically apply it to today. Interesting, Paul actually uses an analogy of building when he uh, wrote 1 Corinthians uh, and says in chapter 3, verse 10, According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than what he has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of one's work. So in Nehemiah's time, they're building a wall, the walls of Jerusalem, in faithfulness to God. Today, we're building the church, and that should be also be in faithfulness to God. And God's going to be testing the quality of our work. So my main point, we are all builders. We're all building something, whether we're using the precious metals or wood, hay, or straw. It's all being built, and that work is going to be tested. So general question, what are you building? What is the quality of your work? Now, there's one thing I want to keep in mind as I go through this message. Um, When I say serving or building uh, throughout I don't necessarily mean just Sunday morning volunteering, what it looks like. We can and should be serving Monday through Saturday. That's very important. But generally speaking, my examples are going to be volunteering here. But, uh, you know, a few examples how we can be serving throughout the week. Just being good employees, being honest employees. um, Or if you're in business for yourself, just giving people honest deals and keeping to your word. It's how we're interacting with our friends. Are we, you know, are we saying some off-colored comments with them? just to try to fit in, or are we showing them the love of Christ and the purity in that? It's how we're hospitable to one another throughout the week. Are we inviting people into our lives? And, you know, even the classics, like providing for the needy, helping in homeless shelters, stuff like that. So broadly speaking, as I'm saying serve in or build, uh, I like this definition. Any act that is motivated by the love of Jesus, that's what I'm talking about. So just as Nehemiah's actions we're motivated by a love for God and his people. Uh, now, Nehemiah 3, as I mentioned, it, it's a little, the way it's written, I'll be jumping around a bit. It's much easier to kind of take a bunch of verses to go concept to concept rather than straight down the line. So we're going to, that being said, we'll start at Nehemiah 3.1, but we'll be jumping around a bit here. So Nehemiah 3.1 says, uh, the high priest Eliashib, incidentally, we can have a little game here and we can each donate a dollar for every time I mispronounce a name. And we can, we'll get the full tithe very quick, I think. <laughs> so the high priest Eliashib and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated and it installed its doors. Next to him, Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. And verse 12. Beside him, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. He and his daughters. So when it came to wall repairs, we know Nehemiah was the one spearheading it. But there's some pretty notable people here that are getting their hands dirty. It's the high priest, two prominent city rulers. These were leaders in the community. They literally led half parts of the district. But they're building the wall just the same. Which brings me to my first point. Leaders, we're leading and we're serving. Now make no mistake, church. There are le- the church has been given leaders that have spiritual authority over the flock. Just as in Nehemiah's time when they had the district rulers or the high priests. Uh, and in Acts 20, Paul talks to the elders when he's, he's talking to the church of Ephesus, and he's specifically talking to the elders here. He says, Be on guard for yourselves, for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, 
which he purchased with his own blood. So leaders are to guard themselves as well as the flock. Uh, and, it makes, and this verse makes it clear that the Holy Spirit himself is the one who has appointed this, appointed them as overseers. And this is a very high calling, as I'm sure anyone in leadership knows. And that's why Paul starts out with saying, be on guard for yourselves. How are we supposed to lead properly if we ourselves aren't following God properly? Now, while leaders have given spiritual, I've been given the spiritual authority, there's an important difference between a Christian leader and your average one or more worldly one, and that's that Christian leaders lead by serving, just like the rulers in Nehemiah 3. Jesus himself gives this command to his disciples in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles loaded over them, and those in high position acts as tyrants over them. It must not be that way among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. So leaders, we must be the forerunners of serving. Jesus called his disciples, and by extension us, to flip the equation of like kind of the power idea. If we're to be Christ-like leaders, we become like servants, putting others first. I love that this in our church, our elders are always on the front lines. We've got Dan helping out in <laughs> Rev and, uh, you know, greeting you, Nathan, as well on the host team, inviting people in, getting people coffee, just seeing how they're doing. Andy's always given us the word of God. Joe's helping out in the kids' church. Uh, John is always up here leading us in worship. And you know what I love also about these guys? Each and every single one of them, if you're struggling... They would love to be able to talk to you, to pray with you, to be there for you. It's amazing. So, but I want to make a point. I mean, there are plenty of you out there. I mean, we're not, we don't have any kind of official leadership title or anything like that. Um, So it might be easy to take this and be like, well, I'm not a leader. I shouldn't have to worry about this. And I want to say, even if you don't have like an official position, there's people you're leading in your life, your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers, you're leading them even if you're doing so unintentionally. So then the question becomes, how can you be leading them to God? And maybe just a few examples. Be sacrificial in your marriage. Pray with your kids. Ask about your friend's spiritual well-being. Share the gospel with your coworker. These seem like simple things, but these are invitations uh, for them to see God live, the living and active God in your life. It seems more real. And besides that, realistically, there are people who are only going to cry on your shoulder. There are some hands only you're able to hold. Someone in here needs to hear you be worshiping or needs to hear encouragement from you. People in in and out of this church, it's not just the elder's job. It's not just the leader's job. It's yours and mine too. Take these small leading moments with intentionality. That's part of how we're building Though this leads to the very important question, and my second point, and I've touched on this earlier, what are you building? This is a big question. This can be a lot of broad categories. I've broken it down into a few things, and I recognize there could be more. But let's start off with maybe perhaps what you thought of the obvious question. Okay, what if we're not building? What what does that look like? And there's two different people I want to look at for people who might not be serving or building in their lives. I know there's more reasons than this potentially, but... Here's the ones I came up with. So first, there's the person who, for whatever reason, they just don't want to serve. And in fact, Nehemiah 3, verse 5, has an example of that. 
Said beside them the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Now why weren't they helping? Even though it's very clear to most of the people here. Most of the people in, this is the only verse that mentions people who would not build. So a grand majority are building because they know this is work that God has called them to. Well, it's possible the nobles may have thought that the work was beneath them, or it could be that they resented Nehemiah's leadership. Either way, they decided they didn't want to participate in the work God had clearly set before them. And this kind of attitude, we can, we find ourselves in the, it finds itself in the church as well, doesn't it? I think we can all have that temptation to enjoy the benefits of church, the community, you know, coffee, donuts, <laughs> um, getting fed, and we don't want to put much into it because we feel like we have to or we, we need to be fed. I think we need to fight that mentality. One of our core values here is that we're not spiritual consumers, we're spiritual contributors, and that's not just a cute thing we made up to make people come out here and volunteer and, you know, the, as a means of that. It, the Bible talks about how we serve often. I'll name a few. Galatians 6.3. I'm going to go with the NLT version here because I like how direct it is. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. 1 John 3, 18 through 19. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Romans 12, 13. Share with the saints, that's believers, in their needs, pursue hospitality. Philippians 2, 4. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interest of others. There's many more examples like that. I don't know how much more clear the Bible can be. We're not meant to be on the sidelines. Now, I understand there's a time where we have to dial it back a little. I'll use an awesome example of my amazing wife. Uh, on June 9th of 2022, our daughter, Alora was born. And obviously, we, we stepped back a little bit in order to be able to focus on Alora. And also, I don't know if you guys knew this, uh, but birthing a child is hard, and it requires <laughs> a lot of recovery time afterwards. <laughs> now, but here's the kicker. A month after Alora was born, I know Sammy's crazy, she was right back here on the worship team because she loves serving. She loves doing it. And she, and uh, now, for those of you who know Sammy, that's probably not too surprising. Um, <laughs> she's a very much a go-getter. I remember when she was nine months pregnant, she asked me if, I, if she could mow the lawn. And being the loving and sacrificial husband, I was like, oh, yes, absolutely, you can. <laughs> it, was, it was partially motivated by that was the day I had guessed Alora was going to be born. So I was like, maybe she'll go into labor. <laughs> if I let her do it. So, I'm a good husband. <laughs> but I'm not saying we all have to be crazy in a good way like that. But that's the heart we could have of one who just wants to serve. And I think we should really emulate that. She knew there was need and she wanted to help. So if you find yourself not wanting to serve, I encourage you to pray and, and really think about why that might be. Don't deny God a chance to use you to serve his people. You're not going to regret doing the work he's given you. Now, I mentioned that there's a second group of people, and maybe this is probably more often the case for people who aren't serving. It's, for whatever reason, you just don't feel qualified. And I want to start by saying, I, I really do get that. To be real with you guys, um, I don't really know what it's like to feel like, like that confidence in your calling. I've served in a variety of areas, and I've never really had the this is it moment. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what that feels like, um, I'm not saying it will never happen, it just hasn't. But in all those areas, and because of that, by extension, in all those areas I served in, I, I wouldn't say I ever feel qualified. Does, any, does anyone get what I'm saying? But even so, what I am confident in 
is that wherever I am, God has given me responsibility. He's called me to love and obey him and to love and take care of others. Whether I was doing the janitor work, filming, leading small group, or even speaking here, I'm confident that I should be using these opportunities to glorify God and so that the gospel can be spread. I know there are others who are better at these tasks than I am, but I jumped in because I just wanted to obey God, and I got to see God work through me. And if any of that lifts you up, or lifts me up in your guys' minds, then I've made a mistake here. I want you guys to know that God is the one who helped me, and he can help you. For those of you who are not confident in where you are, or even starting to serve, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 15. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or, or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is, for no, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. So we need the whole body, and you're part of that body which means in simple terms, we need you. God himself is the one who has gifted you. So don't be confident or unconfident in your abilities. Be confident that God will use you because you're part of the body. As simple as that. And for those of you who may be discouraged because you feel like what you could offer won't matter, well, I'm here to say that that's not true. Everything we do for God matters to the point of eternity. Mark 9.41 even says, whoever gives out a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. God sees something as simple as, as us handling someone a bottle of water just because they're a Christian as an amazing act from him. And he rewards that. Don't be afraid to jump in. God will strengthen you to do the work. And don't feel like what you do doesn't matter. God has given each of us extraordinary work to do. So let's get off the bench and let's be serving. Now, let's say we're off the bench. You know, what does that look like? Again, two fairly broad categories here. But there's the time to serve when it's more convenient. I know that might sound sacrilegious. Some people were like, well, it's always supposed to be a sacrifice, always. I'll explain a bit more. But then, yeah, there are other terms, just times to serve where there's need. So let's look for a moment when, you know, it's more convenient. Uh, Nehemiah 3, verse 10. After them, Jedediah, son of Harumath, made repairs across from his house. After them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs opposite their house. Beside them, Azariah, son of Messiah, oh, jeez, <laughs> son of Ananiah, just big rapid string of names there, made repairs beside his house. Each of the priests made repairs above the horse gate, each opposite his own house. So, hey, if you've got to build a wall, it's pretty dang convenient for it to be right next to your house. The 30-second commute, I think we can all agree we'd like that from time to time. <laughs> Uh, now, this was also strategic on Nehemiah and the other leaders' parts. Uh, they're the ones who were assigning the work after all. See, the wall's main purpose was protection from attacks, and I'm willing to bet that if I came to your house and ripped off your front door from its hinges, uh, let me dream, uh, <laughs> you would probably, and you were the only one who could fix it, you would be trying your best to make it right. So similarly, in Nehemiah's time, the threat of being attacked was very real, so if you're going to be building the wall by your house, chances are you're going to be trying your best to make it right. <laughs> See, it, was, it wasn't only convenient, it was strategic. Now, what does that look like in the modern-day church? Well, oftentimes, I think it's just serving in an area that you're passionate about or gifted in. 
1 Peter 4.10 says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. I want to take a brief aside here because it's another great reminder of why we should be serving. Uh, steward here in the Greek mean, is okonomos, which means household manager. And oftentimes that's associated with the concept of accumulating and preserving wealth. So applied here, what Peter's saying is we are accumulating and preserving God's grace when we use our gifts to serve others. Now maybe that sounds a little arrogant. You know, how can we be doing that? Well, it's because us serving is a reminder of the gospel of our Savior Jesus, who was the ultimate servant when he saved us. So by serving in God's name, we're preserving this truth. And spreading the gospel accumulates those who are saved by God's grace. Now, as Peter had mentioned here, each one of us has received a gift from God. And this doesn't always look like what some may call as super spiritual. For example, hospitality, literally just opening up your home to people, that the Bible calls that a spiritual gift. Even though we might find that mundane, God doesn't. And there's intentionality in the way God made you. So if you're not serving, you're not sure what to do, just start by hopping in something that matters to you. If you enjoy working with kids, hey, we have an entire kids ministry. If you like working with technology like I do, you can always use more people on camera, AV team, post-production. If you enjoy maintenance, as I asked early on, or gardening, take a look at buildings and grounds. They keep the building going and the outside looking amazing. Or maybe it's just something as simple as you just like greeting people in the morning, holding doors for people, giving them coffee, donuts, again, hosting for you. It, it sounds so simple, and yet most people, when they're new to a church, I mean, we, many of us are used to coming to church. Maybe we're just, we don't think about this as often, but it, it can be intimidating. And when somebody comes in, like in the first few minutes, it kind of determines if they're even planning to come back again or even come into this worship place at all to look around and see people worshiping or even hear me. So what you do is very important. So, and there's other ways too, but if you feel passion in any of these, that's an amazing way God's designed you. And you can use those gifts to serve others and by extension, God. Now this is kind of, you know, maybe one-on-one, serving where it's convenient. And I think that's obviously an awesome place to start. But what about serving where in places where we're not quite passionate about or we feel out of our comfort zone? like speaking in front of a lot of people. <laughs> well, sometimes we serve where there's need. Let's look again to Nehemiah 3, and I, I want you guys to make note of the profession of some of these builders here. Next to him, Uzazol, the son of Hari Hayash, oh, geez, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And even Nehemiah 3 ends with, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs between the upstairs room on the corner and the sheep gate. All right, so maybe you're like, well, goldsmiths probably knew how to work a hammer pretty good, so they can probably get a nail in pretty well. Merchants, uh, they traveled a lot. They probably know a little bit of patchwork, especially on ships. They travel by ship pretty often. They probably know how to nail in a board. All right, how many of you guys, though, you're building your, your team here, and, you know, again, this is a wall that's going to protect you <laughs> from outside invaders, and you might be like, oh, I'm gonna get the soldier, he's strong, I'm gonna get the carpenter, that's free, they know exactly what they're doing and building. How many of you guys are looking around, you're like, Jeroboam over there, that guy made some really nice smelling oil. He probably knows how to build a wall, let's get him in there. I'm, guess <laughs> I'm guessing unless you're trying to be a contrarian that none of you, that would be the first thought, 
is to get the perfumer building the wall. Now, it, again, it's easy to think that maybe there were more qualified people, and yes, in a sense, there were probably some of these who were better at building than others, but that's not the point. Those were the guys who were there now, and that wasn't an accident. God used them, and he used them because they were available and they were faithful. Unlike the nobles from earlier, these guys didn't use their positions as an excuse to ignore the work God had given them. So my challenge then is, are you willing to serve where you see need, even if it does make you get out of your comfort zone? And I mentioned this before, but when God gives you work, you can rest assured knowing that he's the one who provides you with the ability to do it. Maybe you've heard it before, and I love this quote, but God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Perhaps you thought about helping in our kids' ministry and it just seems so intimidating. Maybe you think, well, it's better to leave it to people with some child experience. And conversely, people with child experience say, well, I already have enough trouble handling my own kids, so we just have a cycle. But let me say, if you feel even a little bit desire to help because you see need, jump in. Just give it a try and see God work through you. If you're meant to, if you're meant to be there, you're going to see it work. God's going to make it work. And I'm willing to bet you're going to see God move in a way that you've never seen before. And another reminder I want to give uh, to Christians, in, in Romans 12:1, Paul writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Following God is not always easy. Uh, in fact, here it's referred to as a sacrifice. And the call is to offer our whole lives to God. And I know we're not perfect in this. I mean, that's our limitation as humans. That's what we should be striving for. So when we see a chance to serve God, whether it's convenient or not, we should take it. That is our true worship. And serving God doesn't always feel glamorous. It doesn't always feel awesome. <laughs> but Nehemiah 3.14 has an excellent example of this. We have Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of beth Hecarim repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Yes, you heard that correctly. The son of the district ruler had the pristine honor of working on the dung gate. <laughs> and in case you're wondering if that's some weird translation thing or meant something different, no, it's literally the gate that led to the dump. Uh, and it's very disgusting. Probably didn't smell great while he was working. So can you imagine after the work day, we have people gathering around and they're like, oh, I worked on the valley gate. That's pretty cool, great view. Well, I got to work on the fountain gate, very beautiful fountain we have here. Or the really cool people, they got to say that they worked on the tower on Ophel, which honestly sounds like an awesome video game level. But, <laughs> but this guy had to know that he was working on the dunk gate. <laughs> but it was work that he did faithfully. He was assigned this task, a reminder, and he didn't grumble. He didn't complain about it. And isn't that the heart that we should have? We see or we're given work, we don't worry about the importance of it, and we just do it faithfully. The truth is we don't often feel like it matters or that it's worth it. Heck, people might not even notice the effort we put in. Now, disclaimer, we absolutely should be taking and seeking opportunities to encourage one another, to lift one another up. But even so, sometimes our work is gonna go unnoticed. Matthew 6, 1, common, a lot of people probably know this verse, but be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. 
But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So let's not be doing work to be noticed or to be recognized, just that we could honor God first and foremost. Now, there's a big reminder here that I want to give as well. We should never be staking our identity in what we do. Now, again, we're all going to be serving imperfectly. Again, we're humans. And sometimes we're going we're gonna to say the wrong thing. We're going we're gonna to do the work with the wrong heart. We're going to make a big mistake, and it might be tempting then to label ourselves as bad servants. But our identity is children of God. I'm not saying we can't learn from our mistakes, but that should never be the end goal. Our identity in Christ is loved, chosen, forgiven, redeemed. Hold on to that, and don't let your mistakes in serving drive you away from that true identity. Hold on to how God sees you and continue to work faithfully. It's not about us, it's about him. And one final reminder. Maybe you may have noticed it in some of the other verses I read, but if you ever read Nehemiah 3 for yourself, you're going to notice a very common phrase that is used. It's next to him, beside him, beside them. And we need this reminder. This is my point three. We're, we're building together. So I remember uh, as a freshman in college, I had a chemistry class. Uh, I do not like chemistry. In fact, I found out that my major was one of the few that didn't have to take a Chem 2 class, and I almost danced. I hate it. <laughs> so in this class that I love so much, a few weeks in, we got a group project. How, how many of you guys like group projects? <laughs> Oh yeah, a little bit here and there. I, I, I know uh, my wife does not. <laughs> I, know, I know that I, the way I ask that, or I ask that makes it sound like I don't. Generally speaking, if everyone does their part, I love group projects because we can do more together than we can alone. But based on how I'm also saying this, you might guess that in this group project, one person did not really pull their weight. So it was me and two other guys, and me and one of the guys, we did our part pretty early on, and it was just radio silence from the third guy until the night before the project was due, he messaged us to say he was having trouble with his part. There's a mix of emotion here. I, I am, I was, so by the way, next morning we scrambled and tried to all work together to get his part done. And again, there's a mix of emotion here. I, I was frustrated that this guy didn't do his part or even that he waited so long to tell us. On the, second, on the other hand, I, I was, I did understand. School was really overwhelming him. It was, it was kicking his butt a bit and I understood that now, and throughout my years in college, I continued to understand that even better. <laughs> but the reality of the situation was uh, we were a team. We succeeded or we failed together. And I know a lot of you are serving faithfully, I, I, and that's amazing. But I also know that we can all start to feel burnout. We can all start to be overwhelmed like my teammate was. But unlike him, let's not wait till the final hour to tell someone. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another's burdens, in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Life can be overbearing from time to time. We all know that. And we should be willing to carry one another's burdens when we can. And you know, what does that look like practically? Well, it can be as simple as praying for someone. To know that, let them know that you're praying for them and you're caring for them. If it's something you can help them with in a task, if you know, they're washing windows and they're overwhelmed, help them with a few windows. Provide encouragement. I always feel kind of weird about this. I'm a huge words of affirmation guy. I don't know why... I, my mentality is usually if I do something for a long enough period and no one says anything ever, I must be doing it wrong and people are too nice to say otherwise. So it, it, 
again, I feel mixed about that, but encourage, encourage one another. Let them know that the work they're doing is valuable, that you're appreciative of it. And most importantly, let's remind one another of God's truth. Again, how our identity is in Christ, not what we're doing. And, you know, even there's a verse that says, uh, never, grow, never grow weary of doing good. You know why it says that? Because doing good is tiring. So we should be able to encourage and lift up one another when we can. Even in these, and ultimately, as I've mentioned before, we are responsible for our own work. Uh, even a few verses after the one I just read, 6.5 says, for each person will carry his own load. And that might sound contradictory because just a few verses later he said, we, can carry, we should carry one another's burdens. But it's not. We can be pillars of strength for one another. We can't make other people build but we can give them material. We can give them encouragement by building well next to them. And when we're all building in unity beside one another, we're building far better than we ever could alone. So a couple application things here. If you're not serving, pray to God why that might be. Is it a season? Is it a lifestyle? If you feel like you can't, if there's no way that you can help, God, I hope, encourages you that you are useful. I want you to pray for clarity and opportunity in your gifting so you do feel more confident in just kind of hopping in. If you're serving and you're growing weary, we want to pray for you. Again, we want to encourage one another to keep fighting the good fight, to keep doing the good work of Christ. And then even outside of volunteering here, who in life can you serve? Again, there's people in your life that only you have access to. How can you lead them to Christ? Now, again, Nehemiah 3 is usually one of those chapters to skim. I mean, you guys heard the, there's a bunch of names that I certainly can't pronounce. Maybe you can't pronounce. Building things like the Dung Gate, and then we get a whole group of people that I can't pronounce. Um, and you might be like, okay, I get it. Moving on. I hope I've shown you that there's more to it, but there's something I want to get out, if nothing else, for you to understand this. God cared about each and every one of those names that I can't pronounce properly, the people attached to them, and how they served him. He remembered their names. He knows the work they did, and that's what mattered most. So church, as we're serving him, remember, he's seen your work and the love you're showing for him and his people. He knows you, just as he knew the people repairing the wall. But here's the difference. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this historically, but that wall is not there anymore. <laughs> the wall was repaired. It was a good time. It was a good work in its time. But we have the distinct difference of everything we do for God here has eternal value. So serve, go out there, and share the gospel with others as well. It's never going to be for nothing. And I recognize that there are those of you um, who you don't claim to be Christians. And what I want to say to you is that Jesus, God, knows your name. And not just that, but he wants to know you in a more personal way, not from afar. And he wants to equip you to do his work. You might say, how? And that's through Jesus Christ. So if we could bow our heads. See, the reality of the situation is God made us to be with him. But sin, the wrong we've done in our life, has broken that. And we all know that we all are not perfect, that we all have messed up. And the Bible refers to that as sin, and that means missing the mark. And our perfect God hates and punishes sin, and that, that's heavy. But it doesn't end there. We have hope. Because God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to take the punishment for our sin onto himself by dying on the cross. And not only that, he rose again three days later 
to show that he had the power of resurrection and he can resurrect your life because he's resurrected other people's lives. Life with God can start now and it can last forever. All you have to do and believe that Jesus' Jesus' sacrifice was for you and takes away your sin. It's not about religion. It's not about the work we do. It's about a relationship. So if there's anyone out there who this is resonating with, I would just ask you to raise your hand. I I want to pray for you. If you want to say, this is the day I believe that Jesus Christ, you are enough. Thank you. God, I pray for those who are responding that you would just do a mighty work in their hearts, Lord, that they would be encouraged by your presence, Lord, and they would know that they've been saved. And I pray, Lord, that um, they would also know, Lord, that when they believe that moment, you give them a spiritual gift, gift they can serve. So don't, don't wait. Jump right into serving God and his people, and you're going to see God work, move through you, and your faith will be bolstered for it. And God, I pray that we would be a church that loves serving you and knows that you've empowered us to do your will. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.